Welcome to the Obscure Pastor Podcast. I'm Drew Carpenter, your host on the podcast for all kinds of ministers and other followers of Jesus who work in relative obscurity. My guest today is Ryan Dunleavy. Ryan is the community life pastor at Crossroads Church in Mount Joy, Pennsylvania. Ryan is a big sports enthusiast, which hadn't come up in our monthly cohort meetings. But from what I can tell, the wheels are always turning with this guy. So I wanted to make sure he and I had a discussion that we could share with you, our listeners. Plus, as a bonus, he has a fairly epic beard. So, hey, Ryan, thanks for coming on the Obscure Pastor Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's an honor to uh, have a conversation. Awesome. Well, I want to get to the struggle with obscurity and maybe dealing with isolation that pastors feel and ideas you have for dealing with it. But first, can you tell me a little bit about your current ministry situation and maybe some of the things that you've done in the past in ministry? Yeah, so right now, like uh, like you said, I'm pastor of community life at Crossroads in Mount Joy. And a lot of my job there involves adult ministries. So I'm kind of the systems and structures guy. Um, but a lot of what I deal with is um, the different demographic ministries, men's, women's, 55 plus um, community groups, our welcome team and our assimilation process. So my job is kind of the discipleship process. So I spend a lot of time um, working on our systems and how we, how we transition people. Uh, from when they first arrive and they get greeted by our welcome team and um, how we get them to be fully formed disciples and participating in serving. Um, I've been in this position for a little over a year. Previously, I had spent uh, nine years as a youth pastor at uh, East Fairview Church. So my background is in youth ministry and uh, I came to this position from that role. You agreed to come on the Obscure Pastor podcast. Why do you consider yourself to be obscure? Yeah, I was thinking about that. And I think I would consider myself obscure because people don't really know who I am. <laughs> they don't really know who I am. I don't have, <laughs> I don't have this wide recognition. Um, I think a lot of obscurity is about recognition. Um, in terms of like, who knows what you do, who knows how many people know what you do, what's the level of influence you have, uh, is it a small level of influence, is it a larger level of influence. And so I would say, yeah, I, for the most part, most people don't know who I am, you know, outside of my church, it's difficult to find anybody who really knows, <laughs> you know, especially what I do and, and those type of things. I even have to explain my job title to most people. <laughs> yeah, you're at a church and some of the people are like, well, what does that guy do, right? Yeah. <laughs> but even the people at my church have to ask that question. <laughs> I understand completely. Well, when I set up these conversations, I give, I give Brian, I give our, my guests an opportunity to kind of chime in on what they'd like to talk about. And you mentioned, Brian, that Mm -hmm. You'd like to talk about obscurity and personal development. So let's talk about that one. Yeah. So I think one of the things that with obscurity, as I was thinking about this process, and I was thinking about most of us, 
would love the opportunity to influence a huge amount of people. We would love to, I think most people don't relish the idea of being obscure. Some do, uh, but most people, when we're trying to win disciples, when we're trying to influence people for Jesus in particular, um, we want to have as broad an impact as we possibly can. And so when it comes to obscurity, I think most of us would love to be in that place where we're getting to minister to large amounts of people. We're getting to influence a large amount of people and see people come to Jesus. And not all of us are there and not all of us will be there. And so one of the things that I found really interesting in this, it's, it's really related to what do I do when I am obscure? And one of the things, uh, one of the authors I like, John Acuff, has this quote that I think is just super helpful to me as I think about um, the work I'm doing is, he basically says, you don't control the miracle. And what he kind of means by that is not everyone gets famous. Not everyone gets the large ministry. Not everyone gets, even in other areas, not everyone gets the record deal. Not everyone's book is a bestseller. Few people actually get to experience that. And most of the time that somebody gets that, there is an element in which there's a piece of luck involved. So it's not all on you that you're obscure, as it were. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. And I think when you talk about influential people, that could be be somebody that's being influential in a very Jesus-centered way, or it could be somebody yeah. that's influential in a, hey, look at me kind of way. And so yeah. that's there is that that danger, I guess, yeah. of, hey, mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a really excellent communicator. Not me yeah. personally, but having that kind of mindset was like, I can tickle people's ears with what I have to say and it sounds good, but is it helpful in like you you were talking about creating disciples or making disciples our influence. If we, you know, you are in youth ministry. Do you feel like in youth ministry, you talk to me about your influence you had with those students as opposed to the circle that you influence right now yeah so with um when i minister in there with students one of the things that i enjoyed uh, ministering to students was you get a lot more one-on-one connection with students um, you get to walk through them through certain phases of life and being able to influence them in those moments is is really great. I think one of the things that makes youth ministry interesting is you have a ton of transition points with youth ministry. You have a ton of transition points in terms of um, different schools, different school years, different sports seasons, all that stuff. You have an opportunity to speak into each of those transition points. I think one of the things that's, that's sometimes lacking with adults is we don't have as many transition points with adults. And I think people are really, really open to influence during those moments where they have life transitions. And I think the nice thing about being able to influence 
specific kids is the opportunities to speak into different influential moments on a more regular basis. It's really good. All right. That, very insightful. I think um, just though those inflection points mm-hmm. and we're not always, yeah, I'm a, I'm 50 years old. I'm not always open to being influenced, at least not in a direction that I don't want to go. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah. yeah. And I'm not sure I'm alone in that. So Ryan, where do you get inspiration right now? I mean, we're recording this in the middle of this pandemic and it won't air for a couple of weeks, but sometimes as pastors, we feel isolated or just kind of out there. Even if we work on a large staff, we feel like yeah. we can't, talk about some of the stuff we, we need to talk about. We just need to get recharged. So what, where do you find inspiration? Where do you find your contentment space? Mm-hmm. Well, I think in part, it gets back to a little bit of what I mentioned earlier about the fact that, that I don't control the miracle as it were. And what I mean by that is there is a level to which um, I feel that takes some of the pressure off of me as I'm trying to minister, as I'm trying to do things to people. If I'm being faithful to what God is asking me to do, then I can turn the results of that over to him. And that really helps me when it comes to struggling with, you know, Am I doing enough? Am I, you know, where am I at? How do I gauge whether I'm successful or not? And I think so much times for me personally, what has, has gotten me down is when I think I'm not being successful enough. One of the things about me personally is I'm, I'm constantly driven to, um, from the mentality of, Hey, there's something more I can do, you know? If, if this isn't exactly how I want it, it's, it's because I didn't do enough or I didn't know enough or I didn't, um, or I didn't, you know, plan out far enough. And so getting the idea that not all of it is in my control is really helpful to me and it's really encouraging. Um, I think also just being able to, um, have have people that you can talk to for me i've got i've got a lot of people in my life who i can just i can just call up and say this is what's going on and i don't i don't know how to handle this and i think it's hard sometimes when when you're in ministry um to talk about the things that you're struggling with in ministry with inside your church so I think the necessity of having people that I can go to to talk about things outside of my specific circle has been a huge influence on, on keeping me going when, when I'm down, sure. as it were. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, you mentioned success. Um, what is that? What's that look like for you? Um, obviously, it's not going to look the same for you and I, as it is for somebody that's in the business world or academia or whatever. Yeah. What, what is, how would you define success? If you're, if you're doing the things right, what does that look like? Mm -hmm. Well, when I think about this, 
I've there's a part of me that always wants to define success in terms of, you know, going back to that obscurity, the idea of having that big platform. And I've had to come to, I've had to come to terms with this idea that not everyone gets that and not everyone should. Mm. So I think about, I've thought a lot of recently about this, about Jeremiah in particular. Um, because God gives Jeremiah this mission and he basically tells him, here's what I want you to do and you're going to fail at it. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to tell all these people exactly what's going to happen and nobody's going to listen to you. (laughs) And I think about, okay, when I look at Jeremiah, is Jeremiah a success? And I have to conclude that he was because he did exactly what God told him to do. He did exactly what God had in store for him. And I've had to come to this idea within myself as well. You know, I think in some ways success has to be doing what God has in store for you, playing, playing the role that God has in place for you, uh, fulfilling the mission he has asked of you. So from from a personal standpoint, I think that is one of the ways I'm trying to come to terms with how I, how I gauge that as successful. And, and there's kind of two parts in that because I want to be, you know, I want to be a part of something where we're reaching lots and lots of people for Jesus. Um, and I want to be a part of that. And there's a sense in which there's a numbers game there where we want to reach lots of people and we want to see that success come, come forward. And I think if I influence nobody, then that would definitely be a failure. But having the idea of sticking with the, the role that God has for me and being successful in that way. And I also think along the second lines with that, for me, I'm going to view success if I was able to maximize my capabilities. You know, I feel like God has given us all a specific level of talent and he's given us specific gifts. And then he asks us to work on them and he asks us to develop them. And one of the things I would consider a failure is if I didn't live up to what I possibly could be because I'm still worried about, you know, being this obscure pastor in, you know, some small town where nobody knows who I am, you know, and in the meantime, I'm not working to develop myself. I'm not working to develop my craft. I'm not working to get myself around people who are smarter than me, where I can learn from them. And I'm not developing those skills. And, you know, sometimes, Sometimes we don't know when our opportunity to do something bigger is going to come. And if we're not prepared for it in that moment, we won't be able to take advantage of it. And so part of success for me is just being able to see how far I can take my skills, see how far I can take my abilities that God has given me and how much I can grow and learn. And I think if I don't maximize that, I will consider that a failure. So part of my success strategy personally 
is no matter what roles I'm in, try and figure out how can I get better at every single thing I'm doing. It's good. Well, I think you're kind of speaking to faithfulness, right? Um, yeah. Uh, am I being faithful? And if I'm being faithful, then the result is I'm doing what God wants me to do. And if I'm yeah. using the gifts and talents and abilities, I think you mentioned capacity. If I'm, I'm reaching the capacity that I feel like God wants me to be living in, then that's where I can go. Okay. I, I, I did everything I could and we'll get up and start over tomorrow. Right. Yeah. What advice would you have for ministers who like you do great work, but might not be noticed for it? Yeah. I think, I think, I think one of the first things we have to remember is that what we do is ultimately for God and God sees, he sees what we're doing. He sees what we're doing in secret. And we have to condition ourselves so that what we're doing is designed to please him. And I think secondarily, it's that development piece. It's that personal development piece. Get better at every single thing you do. You know, read lots of books, go to lots of conferences, you know, get into room with smart people and ask them questions handle everything with a learning attitude and you don't know when your moment may come. Um, I don't know. Are you familiar with uh, Malcolm Gladwell's uh, book outliers? I am. I've read three or four of his books. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that book. Cause like in particular, the story about like Bill Gates, you know, right. Bill Gates happened to be at one specific place at one specific time at a school that had a computer you know, and all these factors had to come in in order for him to be at a place where he could succeed. Right. And I think about, I think about that and I think about some of this stuff we don't control, but the piece we do control is, are we ready and are we developing? Or someone even like, someone like um, Jordan Peterson, whether you like him or not, like the guy was in relative obscurity for 50 some years of his life but had been doing all the work in the background. And then all of a sudden when his moment came, he took advantage of it because he had all of that work he had done previously. And I think about that for, for myself and for, for other pastors, we don't know if we're ever going to get a moment, but the best thing we can do is just to continue plugging away, to continue learning and growing and developing. Um, and I think in my own life, cause when I was, uh, when I was a youth pastor, you know, for a lot of that, I was really part-time. And it's so hard for other ministry people to see the work you're putting in in those moments and to read that off a resume and be like, yeah, I'm going to give this person a chance. So the only thing I could do is just prepare as hard as I could. And then when I got an opportunity, I was ready to take advantage of it. And I think that that needs to be true of all of us. So that would be my encouragement is to know that you're, that you're helping out and that you're doing what you're doing for God and then to just, to just learn and grow as much as you can. Well, cool. I think Crossroads is uh, fortunate to have you at this time and place. So that's really good. I kind of do some a little bit lighthearted stuff here at the end. I don't know. Maybe it's not lighthearted for you if you take it too <laughs> seriously, but uh, who, who's your favorite musical artist, Brian? Oh man. Um, 
Now, it's always hard for me to narrow it down to one, but probably Death Cab for Cutie is probably my favorite. Oh, okay. That's awesome. I love yeah. it. Have you seen them in concert? I've seen them four or five times, I think. Oh, I'm jealous now. I don't yeah. go to concerts because, yeah, <laughs> just, yeah. Anyways, I do go to concerts, not enough. Yeah. I'd love to get you know, more. You, you, you have disposable income without children <laughs> at this point. So, anyways. Yes, it does make a big difference. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I'd love to hear something about you that not very many people know. Hmm. Something about me that not very many people know. It's a harder question than I would have thought. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love shoes. I'll do this. I love shoes. I am obsessed with shoes. I, I research them. I buy custom shoes sometimes. Um, I'm constantly on some sneaker apps looking at, you know, different brands and different, different things. So I, I, I have a big obsession with shoes and uh, raw selvage denim. So those are, those are two of my random things that most people don't know. Raw salvaged dem- denim. Is that like for insulation or what is that? What do you, what do you do with the no, raw it's, salvage uh, denim? Yeah. Selvage denim is, it's like jeans. Okay. So like it's um, jeans that are woven from a single piece of cotton thread. Okay. Um, and are often hand sewn with, with, with uh, machines. And, um, and the, like, it's, it's a whole like denim, like denim jean culture. <laughs> so, <laughs> Um, yeah. So like selvage denim, they, they tend to last longer. Um, they don't have some of the treatments that a lot of the other stuff comes in and they can, sometimes they can run pretty expensive. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Well, my nephew, it, it, when I started doing this podcast, is like, are you going to have like preacher sneakers or sneaker preacher, whatever that is, where the, <laughs> where the pastors have these thousand dollar pairs of shoes on or anything like that. I don't know if you're yeah, I don't that, go that far. In that I don't go that far. Not, that's no, no. That's funny. I don't I got did. that kind of disposable income. That's cool. It's fun to know. Um, how can people find you if you want to be found? Be on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I'm uh, mostly yeah, Instagram, Facebook, um, I do have a Twitter, but I mostly only tweet about sports. So if you want to hear sports rants, you can go there. I do have a, a blog that I write that's uh, practicalleadership.me. Um, I'm a little behind on writing on it, but I do have an, uh, I do have some stuff that I'll write for that. Um, just about like pulling leadership lessons out of everyday life. Cool. Very good. Well, I'll, I will, um, I'll get those links from you. I'll like shoot you an email and have you send me whatever links and I'll make sure that include them with the podcast, man, any, any last words you want to say before we sign off today? Hey, just thanks for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity and and, uh, it's uh, good to chat with you. It's good to chat with you too. We'll uh, hopefully see you maybe next month at our cluster meeting we do in Elizabethtown, but I guess we'll see how that transpires. Let's hope. (laughs) All right. Thanks Ryan. Have a great rest of your week. Yeah, you too. Thanks a lot. Right. Thanks. You've been listening to the Obscure Pastor Podcast. If you like the podcast, share it with a friend. Subscribe today and sign up at obscurepastor.com for my brief weekly e-letter. It's a dose of encouragement and inspiration. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram 
at Drew Carpenter. So let's be friends. <laughs>